Okay. We anyways, let's go. Should we get into it? Let's go. Let's go. We have probably yeah, not even they just have a half an hour now. Okay, so let's say let's let's make a let's make a decision before I go in and do it that not to interrupt me, like take a note or something, like let me at least read a page. Okay. And take a note and then we'll talk about something if there is. Unless of course there's something that really springs out, like yeah. like there sometimes is, but yeah. Let's try to get through some of it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we are at chapter four. Uh, what had just happened uh, was that Yisli, uh, they just killed. Um, yeah. So so they killed Skeggy. Like they basically like I don't know. I just gotta jump into it because they're just killing everybody now. You remember like at the end of it, it was just like everyone was just burning each other's farmsteads down. Like. They just started murdering each other. So let's just go on with the murdering then. They returned to the ship and put to sea and are away from land for more than 60 days. And they come ashore in West Iceland on the south strand of Dürafjord. In the, in the estuary called Haukadalsos. There were two men who lived on opposite sides of the fjord, both named Thorkil. One of them lived at Saurar in Keldudal, on the southern shore. This was Torkel, son of Eirik. The other lived on the other side at Alvidra. He was called Torkel the Rich. Torkel, son of Eirik, was the first man of standing to go to the ship and greet Torbjörn Sur, who was called this after he had escaped by means of way. Way, the what you drink, you know, the byproduct of... I was in the the from cheese production, like the yeah, skin, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, that stuff. Maybe he's that stuff, yeah. maybe he's training. Maybe he's he escaped by means of way. Okay, cool. Anyways, all land had been taken on both shores. Torbjorn's Sur bought land on the southern shore at Sable in Haukadal, and Yisli Ball built a steading a steading there where they lived from then on. A man called Bjartmar lived in at the head of Arnafjord. His wife was called Turit, and she was the daughter of Hraffen of Ketilseir in Durafjord. This Hraffen was the son of Duri. I'm just realizing these are fucking difficult fucking things I'm saying. <laughs> it's like getting my tongue all twisted. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, listen to this. Hraffen of Ketilseir. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have no chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> well, I mean, well, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Call a kettle, uh, kettle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the first settler in the fjord. They had children. Their daughter was named Hild. She was the eldest. Their sons were Helgi, Sigurd, and Vestgeir. Vestain was the name of a Norwegian who came to Iceland at the time of the settlement and lodged with Bjartmar. He married Hild, Bjartmar's daughter. When they had been married not very long, they had two children. Audr was the name of their daughter and Vestain of their son. Vestain, son of Vestain, became a good seafarer and trader. However, he had a farm called Hest in Unundafjord. At this time in the story, his wife was called Gunhild. They are sons with Berg and Helgi. 
Now after this, Torgun Suur dies, and then his wife, Tora. Gisli and his brother Torkil take over the farm, and Torbjorn and Tora were buried in the mound. There was a man, Torbjorn, who was called Selagnup, Seal's Crag. He lived in Taltnafjord. Wait, what? You don't have to just go into the whole lineage of everybody that's ever existed or lived. No, but hang, but hang on. He was called Selagnup, which means... Seals Crag, C R A G. See, not not like a seal, like a seal. like a seal, like ar, 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 ar. Oh, yeah, 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 nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crag, a crag of seal. What the fuck is that? What's a crag? I feel like it's a. Isn't it like a crevasse, like a crag? Yeah, crevasse. Think, Isn't that like related? Like a crag should be. No, but yeah, hang on. Let me, I'll have to look sure. this up. Craig, it's a, a steep or rugged cliff or rock face. The rock face. Oh, it's a f- rock face. Okay. Oh, like so maybe it's where the seals live because they tend to like live at the bottom of the, the rock. Yeah. Cliff, right. Yeah. But that's a strange name. Why would you be called that? Anyways. Maybe they caught him down with the seals. Yeah, maybe he was born at a seal's crag or something. <laughs> Born half seal. Yeah, I just I was really hoping it would it would have meant seal's vagina, but it didn't. So, anyways, because that would have been fun uh, and might have been important to the story. Anyways, he lived in Talknafjord at Kvigandafjell. His wife was named Thordis, and his daughter Asker. Thorgil, Yisli's brother, asks for this woman and marries her, and Yisli married Westheim's sister Alder. Now the brothers farm together in Haukadal. Okay, so hopefully something's going to happen now, because, my God. Whew. One spring, Torgil Dervich had to make the journey south to the assembly at Thorsnes. Yiski and Torgil went with him. At Thorsnes, there lived then Thorstein, Thorskapit, Cardbiter, who was the son of Thorolf Mostraskeg. Mostraskeg. That, must, that means something with a beard. But what does Mostra mean? Monster beard or like master beard or... It's an interesting... Another cool name. Thorolf Mostraskeg. It's fucking amazing, amazing names in this story. And um, was the other one called a codbiter? Yeah, Thorskapit. A codbiter. Codbiter, yeah. Something nice. like that. It would be pronounced something like that. Thorskapit. Uh, anyways, he was married to Thora, the daughter of Olaf, son of Thorstein. Their children, uh, their children were a daughter, Thortis and Thorgrim, and Borg the Stout. Thorgil finished his businesses at the assembly, and after the assembly, Thorstein invited Thorgil the Rich and the brothers Gisli and Thorgil to his home and gave them good gifts at parting. And they invited Thorstein's sons to come west and visit them at their at their assembly the following spring. Then they journey home. Next spring, Thorstein's sons make the journey west with ten companions to Velseir, Valseir assembly. And there they meet Yisli and Thorgel, who invite them home from the assembly. But before that, they were to go to a feast at the home of Thorgel the Rich. 
After that, they visit the sons of Sur and are well feasted there. Thorgrim finds the sister of Yisli and Thorgil handsome, and he asks for her hand, and she is betrothed to him, and a bridal feast is held at once. Steading at Sebel is given with her as a dowry, and Thorgrim moves west to live. But Borg remains at Thorsness, yeah? Imagine just marrying somebody because you thought they looked nice. Like, that's just... It seems like that's the whole basis. He's gone, you... Yeah. You look you look pretty. Sure yeah. this will work. Leave your family and come live with me. Well, I mean, again, you know, the interesting thing here is that you can this it leaves a lot up to your own imagination, right? Because uh Thorgrim finds the sister of Yisli and Thorkel handsome and he asks for her hand and they and she is betrothed to him. But we don't know if there are more more details to the story, right? It could just be that they just leave out. It's not it's not it's not a love story between Thorgrim and um, which sister? I don't know. I don't can't remember her name, but mm-hmm. their sister. So if you if you were to make a movie about this, for instance, there there's a lot there to actually dig into right there, right? It's actually kind of cool. Um, guess, anyways. Yeah. I mean, it's not... I feel like they, they give so much unimportant detail about everything else. <laughs> Everyone else is yeah. lineage. And, and well, yeah, where they may have is... lived, where they may live, who their neighbor was. Yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of suck, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, again, <clears throat> they are curiosities, and they're interesting to know because they are kind of, uh, you know, a very important part of uh, storytelling tradition that we have, you know, and understand like how uh, storytelling has been different at different times also, because it, I mean, it's so, it's so difficult to know how these sagas have were told, you know, when they were told um, just by word of mouth, you know, you can just, you can easily imagine that, um, that some animated person would tell these stories in a way that were much more interesting, you know, mm-hmm. because it was meant to be told in a whole or, you know, you know, at the, at the whatever. Uh, yeah, I'd, the, I'd court, be interested. the courts and those kind of places, right? I'd love to know whether they kept all those small details in originally or whether they were added once it was written down. Because it I just, actually don't, I don't know. It just feels like un- unless you were sat in the hall listening, you were like, got really excited because your name was said in a story. So maybe they changed yeah. it for changed it for each town and like threw in the people who were there. But other than that, it feels very That's an interesting theory. Very pointless. Yeah. yeah well, everyone yeah. likes it when their name gets mentioned. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Certainly, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting point you're making, but. Yeah, I just always imagine a lot of these things like, like being being told, you know, like that. I mean, some of the stories in the Upanishads, also in India and so on, they are, they are in a way when you just read them just like that. Sometimes a bit stale and, and so on, you know. But you can just imagine that if they were told with, with a bit of like, yeah, yeah, um, animation. If you so. Will. So are we saying that the issue is your storytelling and not the story? 
<laughs> well, when I say animation, I don't mean what you can do simply I by know. by uh, virtue of your sort of like vocal prowess. But what I'm trying to say is that if I had like a fucking dress on and a mask and a few different things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that would be uh, it would be probably be more interesting. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, remember. Maybe I don't know. Feels like just a list of a list of people's names. No, I, yeah. Well, that list of people's names would would that have been there then? You know. Yeah, that's what I wonder. Oh fuck! Uh, if that was there, holy shit! Just sit there, like, when is he gonna get to the good bit? Yeah, get to the good bit. Probably like everybody listening. <laughs> like everybody. Boris, get to the chorus. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody listening to this, like, get to the good bit. Yeah, let's see. Let's see if we can get to the good bit. Now Thorgrim farms at Sebul, and the sons of Sur go to Hall and build a good steading there. And only a fence lies between the land of Hall and the land of Sebul. They farm there side by side and are good friends. Thorgrim has the rank of Godi, and he is a great source of strength to the brothers. They go together to the local assembly one spring with forty men. All of them were dressed in coloured clothes. Lestein Gisli's brother-in-law was in the party, and all the men who had come out from Surnadal. There was a man called Guest, or Guest, who was the son of Odlife. He had come to the assembly and stayed in the booth of Thorkel the Rich. They didn't drink. The Surnadal men, but other men were in the court, but it was an assembly for hearing lawsuits. A man comes into the booth of the Hokadal men, a talkative fellow by the name of Arnor, and said, You are a fine lot, your Hokedalers, tending to nothing but the drink, and will not come to the court where your assembly men have cases to be heard? Everyone thinks so, although I am the one to say it. And then Yisli said, Let us go to the court then. It may be that others are saying the same. They go to the court, and Thorgrim asks if any men need their support. And there will be no holding back. So long as we are standing, in any help we promise. But Thorgrim the rich replies, Their cases amount to little that men have against each other here. We will tell you if we need you. Now words begin to go around about how showy these men are, and about their talk, how bold it is. Thorkel spoke to Guess. How long do you expect that spirit and swagger of these Hulkadollars will be so great? And Guest answers. They will not think alike in three summers, who are now in that party. Arnor was by near by during this. Was sorry, Arnor was nearby during this, and he bursts into the Hulkadollars' booth and tells them what he has heard. Yisli says, "These are somebody's real words. He has told us, and let us see to it that this prophecy doesn't turn out right. I can think of a good thing to do." That is to bind our friendship with stronger ties and swear blood brotherhood between the four of us. This seems like a good answer. They go out to the 
spit of a land called Eyrval <laughs> Sodi and cut and raise up a, a long sod in this turf, leaving the two ends fast. And they set a spear with a patterned blade under it, so long shafted that a man could just reach the rivets of the head with outstretched hand. All four should pass under, Thorgrim, Yisli, Thorgel, and Westheim. And now they draw blood and let their blood run together in the earth, which was scratched up under the sod, and mix it all together, earth and blood. Then they kneel and swear an oath that each shall avenge the other as his brother, and they call all the gods to witness. But then, but when they came to shake hands, Thorgrim said, There is burden enough in this for me. If I do this with these two, Thorgrim and Gisli, my brothers-in-law, but I have no ties with Westheim. And he draws back his hand. <laughs> then more of us will do the same, says Gisli, and he too draws back his hand. For I will not bind myself to the man who will not bind himself to Vestine, my wife's brother. People thought this a serious thing. Yisli said then to Torkel, to his brother, It has gone as I thought it would. What we have just done will be of no use, and I think that fate will have its way with this. We <laughs> will. Okay. So, so he he went <laughs> all the way up until they gone out, made a little thing, cut themselves, yeah. bled into the yeah. pit, mixed it all up, and then decided that he was wasn't comfortable swearing yeah. the oath with him. Yeah, he did that at the fucking last minute, <sighs> and that's why Gisli is making this prophecy that fate would ha will have the its way with them. What a wanker. Mm. This is going to end really bad now. Yeah, they're all going to fall out. They could have been... Yeah, they're going to kill each other, yeah. I feel like all the Viking bros were so happy at that like last paragraph as well. Like yeah. This, this cutting of hands, the blood brothers, they're, yes. they're mixing it together. They're like, we're going to fucking... You were, we're yeah. going to oath for each other. Like, if I get hurt, you got to come and come to my aid. Yeah. It was such a cliche for a second there. Yeah, and then it fucking twisted. And then it's just like, nope. <laughs> so, so, this is... Yes, there is the fucking list with all these people, but this is fucking cool, man. Yeah, yeah, This yeah. is awesome. This is super awesome. Anyways. During the summer, it happened that a ship came to Durafjord, owned by two brothers, Norwegians. One was named Thorir, and the other Thorarin, and they were men from Oslofjord. Thorgin rode to the ship and bought four hundred of timber, and paid some of the price down and left some to be paid later. The traders then laid up their ship in Sandals and found lodgings for themselves. A man named Odd, the son of Orlik, lived at Eir at Schutinsfjord. He took in the two brothers. Thorgrim sends his son and Thorod to look over and count his timber, because he intends to fetch it home soon. Thorod comes and looks over the timber, but the lot 
they were buying looks to him rather different from what Thorgrim had told him. He used hard words to the Norwegians, but they would not stand for this, and they attack him and kill him. Then the Norwegians go away from the ship after this work. They cross over Durafjord and take horse and make for their lodgings in Eir. They journey all day and all night until they come to the dale which leads up out of Sjöttilfjord. Here they breakfast and go to sleep. Thorgrim is told the news and he sets out at once. He has himself ferried across the fjord and goes after them alone. He reaches them where they are lying and wakes Thorarin, prods him with his spear shaft. Thorarin springs up and tries to draw his sword because he recognized Thorgrim. Thorgrim thrusts at him with his spear and kills him. Now Thorir wakes and he wants to avenge his companion, but Thorgrim thrusts his spear through him. The place is now called Breakfast Dale and East Men's Fall. Thorgrim returns home and becomes famous for this journey. That's what you get from having a nap after breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Don't nap after breakfast. That's the moral of that bit. (laughs) Get up and and attack the deer. Uh, Not not in fucking... Not in fucking this time, at least, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's interesting that it's it seems to be a lot of spear talk, like, yeah. Because you you t- you typically associate like axes <laughs> with uh, the Vikings and and that whole thing. It's like very, yeah. I mean, cool. spear was pretty 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 normal as well. I would say, yeah. But Spears, you, bro, this is the main stable from for like thousands of years, right? Like that yeah. one hasn't ever gone out of fashion in any place I think that we know about. But yeah. I could be wrong. I mean, I know that I'm sure. the it's Vikings easy were big on axes, but yeah, it's very easy to make the stick with a piece of metal on. And if you can't afford the metal, just make the stick point there. Yeah, exactly. Yes, does this job? Yeah, in most cases, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I feel, uh, yeah. Just, I just found that interesting. Go on. Just, yeah, it was a spear rather than like a a sword or yeah, or yeah. You would have thought it was that as well, but you know, maybe he's just a he likes the spear. Proficient in spearing people. Yeah, he definitely is. I mean, fucking fucking did it, man. He got awesome. them both. Got them both. Anyways, he stays on his farm over the winter. In the spring, the brothers-in-law Thorgrim and Thorkel fit out the ship which had belonged to the Norwegians. These Norwegians had been great troublemakers in Norway, and the country was no longer safe for them. Now Thorgrim and Thorgil make, make this ship ready and put to sea in it. This summer, Vestein and Yisli also sail out from Skeljavik and Steingrimsfjord. Both ships sail out to sea. Onund of Medeldal looks after Thorgil and Yisli's farm. And Sakastein, along with Thordis, looks after Sebul. At this time, Harald Greycloak was ruling over Norway. Thorgrim and Thorgil bring their ship ashore in the north of Norway, and they soon fail in, uh, fall in with the king and present themselves to him and pay their respects. He received them well, and they joined his sworn retainers and won generous rewards and honours. Yisli and Vestein were at sea more than 60 days, and they ran ashore in early winter in Hortland. In a gale of wind and snow during the night, 
and they smashed their ship but saved their goods and men. A man named Beard Bialfi had a trading ship there. He was intending to sail to Denmark. They ask him if they can buy half share in the ship. He says he has heard that they are good men. What? Where the, who the fuck did he hear that from? <laughs> All these guys so far have been total fucking cunts. Mm-hmm. Killing people like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyway. I, guess, I guess back then it was easy to leave a reputation <laughs> yeah. behind. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's a good reputation also to be, a, 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 you know, a bit of a son of a gun, I suppose, you know, like uh, someone not to fuck with, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Anyways. And he gave them half share, but they at once repay him with gifts worth more. The voyage south to Denmark to the market town called Viborg, which actually still exists today. Viborg is, uh, they have a really good handball team actually today. <laughs> nice. It's nice little <laughs> bonus info. <laughs> Very good handball team. At least they had when, back when I knew that, which is maybe a long time ago. Anyway, um, <laughs> and stay the winter. Now. Was that? They might just be terrible now. Yeah, they might be shit, but they were good <laughs> at some point. Okay. That still counts, I feel. It still counts. Anyways, and stay the winter there with a man called Sigurd the three of them, Vestein, Gisli, and Bialfi, were there, and they became good friends and exchanged gifts. And early in the spring, Bialfi readied his ship to go to Iceland. There was a man by the name of Sigurd, a trading partner of Vestein, Norwegian by birth, who was out west in England. He sent word to Vestein that he wanted to close the partnership because he no longer needed Vestein's money. So Vestein asks leave to go and settle up with him. Oh, this is probably Vestein then. Have I done Vestein's voice? Don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. I'm not sure he's spoken yet. You must promise that you will never go from Iceland. That's okay. Vestein's so that, still, that, still. Hey, maybe that's why they didn't want to go into brotherhood with him. Should we make him effeminate? Wouldn't that be sort of. I mean, it could be classed. Could be, I mean, it would be, I feel like it would fit with the time and would make sense, but maybe deemed offensive today. Probably. I mean, I mean, you know, again, it's the old story, you know, if people want to find something to be offended about, they will as well. So, so, so. A soft voice doesn't have to be. Look at Mike Tyson. Exactly. Oh yeah, they must, you must promise that you will never go from Iceland. Make him come back safely, unless it's you, and unless it, and unless I let you. Okay, Just come on. So you don't understand. I can't, I can't do Mike Tyson, but my best, Mike Tyson. my best. My best. Uh, I'll do. I'll do a kind of variation of Mike Tyson. Then you must promise that you'll never go from Iceland if you come safely back, unless I let you. <laughs> No, this is not Vestein that says this. Who the fuck is it who says this? (laughs) Oh, okay. So Sigurd, the trading part of Vestein, who was Norwegian by birth, who was out west in England, he sent word to Vestein that he wanted blah, blah, blah. So Vestein asked Lee to go and settle up with him. It's very difficult to find out who says this because it doesn't say who says this in this version. It's fucking irritating. It kind of makes no sense. Vestein says yes to this. He basically says, someone says, then you must promise that you will never go from Iceland. 
if you come safely back unless I let you. Okay. Come safely back where? Unless I let you. Vestein says yes to this. So Vestein goes to Iceland and is not allowed to go anywhere unless Sigurd tells him. That's the only thing that makes sense. Sigurd was his trading partner who was out west in England. But he tells Vestein to go to Iceland. Uh, and he must never leave there again. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's that's it. That's it. We'll, it makes sense later, maybe. Okay. We also almost done, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm just going to finish this page here, which is not so much, and then we can be done. Sure. One morning, Yisli. Okay. So Vestein says yes to this. He goes to Iceland, promises never to leave unless Sigurd tells him. Good. One morning, Gisli gets up and goes to the smithy. He was the handiest of men, skilled in everything. He made a coin which weighed not less than half an ounce, no, not less than an ounce, and riveted it together with 20 studs in it, 10 in each half, so that the coin seemed whole if it was put together, and yet it could be separated into two parts. Story goes that he takes the coin apart and puts one piece in Vestein's hand and tells him to keep it as a token between them. Well, it's, and, is, it, is this like one of those old necklaces that you used to get with the love hearts that was like this is what, yeah. in two and you, you put them it's together? It's BFF like, thing. Yeah, BFFs forever. But a coin, yeah, it's a BFF coin. Oh, I did not expect this. That's a twist as well. Holy we're, shit. We're going to have to get one of these made. <laughs> it's a fucking... Viking BFF coin. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we, we're, gonna, is... we're gonna have to get one for me and you, dude. We should. So, uh, <laughs> we get, well, are you coming to make us build? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have to find a smithy there that can make us one. Yes, we will. <laughs> we'll get a coin and we'll, you know, get a broken part. Then they just have to like punch their holes and we'll get a Viking BFF coin. Fuck yes, that was yeah. sweet. Oh yeah, we have should... to do it. We have to do it now. Now we've talked about it. We have to do it. <laughs> I did ah. not I just didn't expect it that's so funny man that's cute that's cute as fuck <laughs> that is very cute isn't it who said see who said the, no, so, the so, here comes, so here comes the, here comes the, here comes the next part it's very sweet and we must each send his part to the other only if it is a matter of life and death yet my mind tells me that we will need to send them though we may not meet again Vestein sells west to England and Yisli and Bjalfi to Norway, then in summer to Iceland. Okay, so next time we will go on with what then happens. This was a nice little end, wasn't it? Ah, you know, fuck, that's great. It, there, was a, there was a comment down here, I just didn't see it. It says, number six, uh, it is that, the, yeah, that is that line up there. Then you must promise that you will never go from Iceland if you come safely back, unless I let you. Because it's Yisli that says that to him. Before oh, okay. Vestein, before Vestein goes to to uh, west west to England, he sends uh, like Yisli tells Vestein, you must promise that you will never go from Iceland if you come safely back. So after he comes back from England, mm-hmm. he'll leave Iceland mm-hmm. because all the shit is gonna all the shit is brewing, right? So. Mm-hmm. they got to be ready for everything. So he needs to be by useless size so they can protect each other and stuff like that. So, yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. 
And now they have their little coin. Vestine sells to England and usually in Bjalfi to Norway. And then in the summer, they go back to Iceland. Cool. So that's where we're going to go from next part. It's getting, okay. it's gearing up, man. It's getting interesting. We're getting there. Story, I feel. We're getting there. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. That was yeah. good. That was a good hustle. Perfect. Well, thank you. Right, brother. Thank you very much. And I will see you, see you shortly. See you. Yeah. There. See you soon. Thank Ooh. you for, uh, thank you, Tasha. And Alyssa just joined in. Well. At some so point we, got as two, well. we got two people. Oh my God. You missed a fucking great episode, you guys. I mean, in the sense that now you're of course listening to it again. So you didn't miss it. <laughs> just kind of fucking meta and weird, isn't it? But you should have been here live. That's the thing. Cause that's yeah. the, you know, right, get here live. Get here live. That's where all the fun stuff happens. So you can put your, comments in yeah. that further derails us and shit like that so we can talk directly to you yeah exactly all right bye, man bye. much bye. love bye buddy see you soon see ya bye